Hey fam, it is time to pull another Listen Honey classic from The Vault. This is one of my favorite episodes that we released on this show and I just had to bring it back for y'all because I love so many of the gems that we dropped here. So I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. How are you feeling this week, guys? I know you just came back from a weekend. I hope you got rest. I hope you had good sleep. And I'm so glad that you decided to tune into my podcast because you obviously know that I'm going to be talking about how to make yourself better, how to make yourself more evolved, and how to make yourself feel so much more excited about who you are. First off, I want to give props to my brother who decided to sit through another podcast with me, Dennis. Thank you for joining me again. Hey, what's up, guys? If you guys have heard past podcasts, the reason why I even learned about podcasts is because of Dennis. You put me on with podcasts and got me so much more woke to learning through podcasts other than the books that I already read. It's the best. How did you get into it, by the way? Um, I, I, was, I think uh, NPR. I started listening to NPR. And I was trying to figure out how to, how to get more of it, and then I like fell into podcasts. Absolutely. And you know what? I asked a question a couple of weeks ago to you listeners out there about whether or not you listened to podcasts before me. And I got an astounding answer that 46% of my 1.8 follow, million followers, which, you know, is, I don't even know how to fucking compute that. But 46% of you had never listened to podcasts before Listen Hanay. So Dennis, the same one-two tutorial that you gave to me as to why I should start podcasting, what would you say to my listeners out there who only listen to Listen Hanay? Why should they sign on to more podcasts? Um, I think it's the best way to get information. I don't think you should stop reading because there's a different way of learning. <laughs> we, got, we got a memory <laughs> expert on here. And then, uh, um, but it's you're you're killing two birds with one stone. Usually, people work with their hands. They can't, you know. You, you can always listen. You know, you know, you don't always want to listen to Kendrick Lamar and stuff. You know, right, right. But yeah, you just balance yourself that way, and um, it's a good way to digest, man. Right. For those of you who signed on, thank you for. Listening to Listen Hanay, thank you for subscribing, and I'm really excited about my guest today. So, my guest today has been a friend of mine for about four years, and I met him because of a mutual friend, but then I grew attracted to him and his work because of his expertise. So, welcome to the room, Mr. Jim Quick. Hi, Jim. I'm so glad to be here, and this is... Um, um, thank you, everyone who's listening to this. Now, Jim, you also have a podcast, and that's yeah. why your baritone is coming in thickness right now. I'm all right down now. for podcasts. <laughs> you uh, have such a good podcast voice. How many people tell you that? I, is it better than video? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have that sexy. There is yeah, a podcast uh, voice. There is. It's like a, I don't know what it is, but yours sounds so sexy. I mean, like. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a great thing. So I'm glad you stepped into the podcast world. Your podcast is dripping with knowledge though so just for a few of you guys uh to understand what jim's talent is let me explain two definitions that i love are out there about you and i want you to tell us about yourself if it, when it comes to forbes they've described you jim as jim quick's superpower is learning the ability to learn quickly is a distinct and powerful competitive advantage in business it enables all success in a fast-paced fast-changing world which I love. Now, if you go to Jim, though, on his Instagram, Jim has the most basic bio, which is your brain fitness and memory coach. So my friends describe you as a memory expert. I feel like you're one of my superhero friends. And it's all because of your disgustingly crazy talent to mem remember things. So can you explain to us how would you break down your skill? Well, I think everybody has had the experience where they, they're losing their memory a little bit. Yeah. Like senior moments are coming too early. Yeah. They feel absent-minded. Right. Maybe they're in the shower. They can't remember if they shampooed their hair and they end up doing it maybe twice. You have your phone in your hand and you don't even realize it's sitting exactly, there. Exactly. Exactly. Where their glasses are. Maybe it's not sitting on top of your head. Yep. Or uh, they walk into a room and forget why they're there. Or they go to the, they go to the store to buy one thing. And they come back with two bags full of things, except for that one thing that they went to. Damn you, Target oh, yeah, and Ikea. Wow, or, or, or they're they're studying. They're preparing for um, their work, and they're reading a page in a book, and they forgot what they just read. And they go back, and they reread it, and they forgot what they would just read again. Uh, they misplace things. Their wallet, their purse, their cell phone, their car keys. 
or if not their car keys, something larger like their car. You see the people using their car alarms, like GPS, trying to figure out where they parked the car, and they realize they took Lyft or Uber that day. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah, I believe two of the most costly words in our life are "I forgot." I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot right. that conversation. I forgot. Oh, I forgot that meeting. I forgot that person's name. It just goes on and on and on. And、uh, the good news is、uh, there, there's hope that these things.、Uh, it's 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 challenging with technology now, right? We have digital overload. Too much to learn. Too little time. There's digital distraction. Right, we can't focus on things anymore. They say we have are less of a concentration than a goldfish nowadays, and and this big thing called digital dementia, where we're so dependent on our smart devices to to, to keep our calendars. To Did our you make up that and, word? No, this is a new term in healthcare. It's called digital dementia. It's the high reliance on technology, and your brain is like a muscle, and it's use it or lose it. But if you're relying on your phone to tell you when and where to turn, do simple math for you, your brain's not getting the exercise any more than if you're taking the escalator and the elevator all the time. You know how that affects our physical muscles. So I'm really passionate about helping people to、uh, to upgrade their brain because people upgrade their phones more than they do their mind. Yo, yeah, you just schooled us right there. Hence, you. Just finding yourself as a brain fitness and memorization coach. So what I love about you, if you meet Jim, I just got to break this up because、yeah, I've never、sure. told Jim this in person. But when you meet my friend Jim, he's really serious. He walked <laughs> into a room, and you have this studious look about you where you seem like you're assessing all of the sensories around you, but you're really inside your head, and you don't release your energy to just anybody. Does that make sense, guys? So what I'm trying to explain to you is, he looks mad serious, but when you talk to him, there's a warmth underneath the things that he knows. So when I first met Jim, I was I was intimidated because I was like, you you get a, an aura when I when somebody walks into you. It feels like you're in your head and you know some shit that I don't know. So you could use it at any time type feel. So I'm sitting there like <laughs> bubbly genie, all like, hi, hi Jim, my name's Genie, and I know lots of things about fashion, <laughs> and I think about dicks sometimes, and I have questions about sex, and I have you know relational issues. So that's what I'm thinking in my head. And Jim's just like this calm, steady, even energy of love. It's a weird, different form of love because love can you assume love to be warm and fuzzy and like gushy, but、yeah. Your information and your skill really comes out in a form of love that's very dependable and safe feeling. So if you Google Jim, you'll see oodles of YouTube's and and、um, speaking engagements and thousands of people in an auditorium where he's teaching people how to memorize most basic things like numbers or schooling them on how to again work your brain out so that you don't lose it. But at the end of the day, you really want people to like themselves more and to have stronger relationships through your memory. How does that correlate?、Uh, well, I think.、Uh, I mean, we always talked about the brain and be able to remember things, but I also think our heart is—you、uh, store information there too. You know、mm. what I mean? The way you feel about certain things. You could all. I think one of the keys to a long-term memory is information by itself is very forgettable, but information tied to emotion becomes a long-term memory. Like you've heard, you've heard. How many of people listening could hear a song and could take you back to when you're a teenager? Totally. Or a fragrance, or a food. Kevin Campbell, I'm ready. Will send me back exactly, in tears. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when you tie emotion to something, it becomes unforgettable. And I really, I'm wearing this shirt that says "Follow Your Heart, But Bring Your Brain." But I always talk about heart a lot because I feel like、uh, Maya Angelou has this great saying that says, "People will forget what you said." They'll forget what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them made feel. feel. Yeah, and so it always comes back to that. I think having great when people listen to my podcast, they'll learn in 15 minutes how to memorize quickly facts, figures, foreign languages,、uh, formulas, all those great things. So I think mental intelligence is 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 very important nowadays because we're paid. Everyone who's listening, you're not paid for your muscle power; you're paid for your mind power. It's not your brute strength; it's your it's your brain strength also as well.、Um, but also, it's not just mental intelligence. What I what I really want people to fall in love with is their own mental fitness and mental health, because those are equally important.、Um, how you feel about yourself. You were talking about self love because self love and self care is not selfish, and I think that it's so important for us to to fall back in love with the person in the mirror. Who has been through so much, but is still standing? You know what I mean. It's it's one of those things where no amount of love 
from the external world is going to be able to give your soul what it what it needs from you. And uh, and I think we should love ourselves so much that we teach other people how to love us, show them how it's done. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I'm excited my friend Jim is in the room, I want to show off how his talent works in different ways when it comes to first, Jim, if you could share what you do with celebrities mm -hmm. and how you've helped them with your knowledge. And then now your podcast and your own relationships in life. Like how do you teach your brain to be more loving and how does our memory have to do with that? So here in Hollywood, I help actors to be able to do things that make them just better. And uh, that's why I love your show. It's, it's about making people you know, fall in love with themselves and also make improvements in, in these other areas of their life that are important. And uh, so for actors, I'll help them do something like uh, speed read scripts. I'll help them to memorize their lines. Can you just name drop a couple? I mean, just go ahead, drop them. I'll pick them up for you. Yeah. Give us a couple actors you've worked with. <laughs> well, people with. could just, you know, scroll through social media. But I, I get to work with, um, you know, everyone from an Elon Musk to a, a Will Smith. Wow. To the uh, the cast of the X-Men. Um, help them to, as I talked about, memorize their scripts better, be able to be focused yeah. on, on set on camera when they need to perform. But I think these are skills that everybody could benefit from. I mean, who can't, who can't benefit from being able to remember things better, to be able to be focused, to be able to have concentration, to be able to have brain energy instead of that brain fog. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to the everyday person that's not living in a Hollywood life, where are we falling short of memory? Why does it feel mm -hmm. like everything, everything that you just mentioned is happening to us? Are we, is it because we're getting older? Is it because of the digital world? Why are we forgetting more? Yeah, so I would say that if you're suffering for any of this, there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's a trained memory and there's an untrained memory. When people see me on social media or on stages do these demonstrations, like I'll be in front of, I was in front of over 30,000 people over the past 30 days. I'll have uh, a group of people, I'll have 100 people stand up in an audience and introduce themselves and I'll memorize all their names in real time. Or they'll give me 100 numbers or 100 words and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's really possible because the truth is every single person listening to this could do that. And a lot Jim, more. stop. I'm no, telling you. I'm no, telling no, you. No, I'm telling you. Where's that? the lie? No, 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 it's no, no, sitting no. right in front of me. Jim, that's not possible. No, you have a better brain in the yeah. memory department than we do. There's no way I could train. train my brain to get like I yours. see your frontal no. lobe. Stop. <laughs> You guys you are mean? so funny. Yeah. What do you so, mean see, by this that? Is, this, this, and this is what I, this is what I know. It's because uh, like we have we have students in 195 countries online, and uh, and some of them are, are far advanced than what what I could do. It's uh, people are really surprised uh, to learn that I actually grew up with severe learning challenges. And when I was five years old, I had a very bad accident in kindergarten class, uh, head trauma, uh, brain injury, and my mom. I was rushed to the hospital. My mom said from that point. I, because where I was, I was very energetic and I was very curious, but I, I shut down and I had trouble learning. Teachers would repeat themselves four or five times and I would, I would pretend to understand, but I really didn't understand anything. Oh, wow. I had poor focus, uh, very bad recall. It took me an extra three, almost four years longer to learn how to read, and which is really stressful, right? Remember, Back in school, you would get in those reading circles and they would pass around that book. And you would get that, you just had that one line to say, exactly. you had that one sentence. And then you had to read out loud. And Ugh. I think that's, and you get nervous when that book comes closer yes. and closer. And and uh, I think actually that's where the fear of public speaking comes from a lot of people. You know how a lot of people say public speaking is like the most the scared thing, most thing, scared thing that they are. Yeah. yeah, they say it's number one, number two is fire. And the third fear <laughs> is death. <laughs> death wow. is number three. Yeah, goes there. So if, uh, so if you so see someone in trouble, you're supposed to say public speaking. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is like the person. If you're at a if you're at a funeral, most people would actually rather, you know, be in the box than to be the one that's giving the eulogy because they're right, so yeah. scared of public oh, speaking. Wow. And uh, and so I think a lot of it came from that insecurity when you're a kid reading that book. And when that book came to me, I would just stare at it and it meant nothing. I couldn't see any, understand any of these words. So I would just pass it on. And, and this was because of the injury? My brain injury, yeah. Okay. When, I, when I was nine years old, actually, the teacher, I remember, was so frustrated that I couldn't understand something. She pointed to me in front of the whole class and said, that's the boy with the broken brain. That, that was my label. Talk about self-talk. Shit. Yeah, that, oh that label, we have to be very careful with labels because that label became my limit. And 
adults have to be very careful because your external words become a child's internal words. So every single time I did badly on a test, which was all the time, every time I wasn't picked for sports, I would always say to myself, oh, it's because I have the broken, broken brain. brain. Yeah. It, it starts, to, you start to use it as the qualifying factor as to why things aren't working out for you. It just becomes the reason for it. Yeah, and I think we all do that. We have all have a sense of learned helplessness in some area of our life. And people come to me all the time. They say, Jim, I have a horrible memory. Jim, I'm getting too old. Jim, I'm not smart enough. And I would say, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Right. If you fight for people do it all the time, though. Right. Yeah, you're They're right. always saying all the things, especially that they, in L.A. when we work off labels. Right. Sadly, this is a city where you have one second to make your aura known, make it known who you are. And so it's either you're the guy who makes money or doesn't make money. You're aspiring. You're figuring yourself out. Right. And you're single or you're not single. It's labels. People love putting people in categories. And I think we do it to, of ourselves also. And we have to be very careful because. We always we lessen ourselves all the time because we're scared of what other people will think, right? right. And you know we're scared of the, the other people's opinions, and and we could go broke buying into the opinions of other people. Like if Absolutely. we're fueling our life based on the expectations and opinions of others, we're gonna we're gonna eventually run out of gas. So you're explaining to me two different things now when it comes to your memory. Not only with this conundrum that you had growing up, do you have to bring your brain not just back to an average place that you should be able to function, but also more extraordinarily better than you imagine because you want to overcome your limitations. But you also have to shake yourself free of this trauma that you're having. You're getting traumatized by being labeled as the boy with the broken brain. You're getting traumatized by not being able to read that book when it gets past you. Mm -hmm. So how, where do you start? And yeah. who do you talk to about this? At that young age, what did you do? So I, I struggled, uh, I'm the oldest of three, and I really wanted to make my parents proud, and I had all this you know, responsibility because I wanted to you know, prove to the world, prove to myself I was worth something, and I, I just couldn't do it for the longest time until I was about 18, and I, I, got, I was lucky to get into university, and I, I wanted to make a fresh start, and I thought I would do better, I did worse, and I was ready to quit school. Why do you think you did worse? Yeah. I, I think, College is even more difficult than high school because oh, yeah. you're spending a lot less time with teachers and more time by yourself. And school assumes you know how to do this. Like, you know, parents will look at a child and say, focus, you know, or study. But that's like going to a child and say, play the piano who's never taken a piano lesson before. But we're not taught these things. Like school teaches us what to learn, math, history, science, Spanish. But there are zero classes on how to learn. And I think that's what's most important now is teaching us. I think there's one skill to master in the 21st century. It's our ability to learn how to learn because the world's changing so fast. Totally. You know. Okay, so now you've got, you're in college, mm -hmm. you're struggling with how to learn. You need to figure out how to get your brain in its best shape, but you also need to shake off the memories of these traumatic experiences. Where do you start first? And yeah. are they the same way of training your brain? Yeah, great question. Great question. So I was ready to quit. And my friend was like, hey, why don't you get some perspective before you tell your parents that you're gonna quit school and break their heart? Why don't you come with me this weekend to visit my family and get, some, get a different point of view? Good friend. And so I think perspective is important for us. When we, when we are stuck in a, in a problem, changing the people we spend time with or the place we're in helps us give us a fresh point of view. And so I visit them and the uh, family's pretty well off and the father walks me around his property before dinner and asks me a very innocent question, which is the worst question you could ask me. House cool. And I just, and you're right, like I'm pretty emotionally reserved, but I have so much pent up, I just start bawling oh, in front of shit. this complete stranger wow. and telling my whole story about broken brain. I'm not smart enough. I'm ready to quit school. Don't know how to tell my parents. And he's like, stop. He's like, why are you in school? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to share? And nobody's ever asked me those questions before. Mm. I, people automatically say go to school because it's assumed, but we don't know why, right? Yeah. And I didn't have an answer, but when I go to answer him, he goes like this, stop again. He pulls out of his back pocket like a journal and he tears out a couple of sheets and makes me write it down. And I don't know how many people keep like a bucket list or a goals list, but writing things down is, is so important. It's the first step in, in making your dreams more, more physical, right? By taking them out in your mind and putting them on paper. And uh, I write this bucket list and I fold the sheets to put in my pocket and he grabs them right out of my hand. And I'm, I'm freaking out because no one's ever seen like my dreams before. Right. right. I've never shared these things with anybody. And he starts reading them and I don't, I'm freaking out. 
and because I don't want to be judged. And I think that's another thing that we always we are always scared that we're not enough. I think that's the biggest fear we have is not being enough because as if we're not enough, we're not going to be loved. And if a baby's not loved, they're not going to be cared for, and then we could die maybe. You know? Absolutely, and it stunts our direction of where we're headed. Completely, and we don't take risks because we don't want to like, you know, and think about a baby. A baby could fall how many times learning how to walk? Hundreds and hundreds tons. of times. It never it never does it like, never falls 12 times and says, okay, walking's not for me, right? Right. It, it walks, all, all everyone walks. And, but adults, we try something once or twice, you know, and we just like, we shrink, right? And, uh, and so here he's looking at all my dreams and he looks up to me and he's like, Jim, you are this close to everything on that list. I'm spreading my index fingers about a foot apart. Yeah. And I'm thinking, there's no way. Give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack that list. And he takes his fingers and he puts them to the side of my head. <gasps> Meaning what's in between is like, you know, that brain is like the key. And he takes me into a room of his home I've never seen before. It is wall to wall, ceiling to floor, covered in books. Now, keep in mind, I, I've never read a book cover to cover. I'm like scared of books, yeah, right? You, yeah, it's like being worst, a, it's like being, worst nightmare right now. It's like being in a, I've never seen a library in someone's house, but it's like being in a room full of snakes. Well, when it makes it worse, he starts grabbing snakes off the shelf and handing them to me. And I'm freaking out, but I'm looking at these titles and there are these biographies of some incredible men and women in history and some very early personal growth books. And he said, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you not, have you not listened to everything? I'm, I'm like telling him all the reasons why. I'm the guy with the broken exactly. brain. What are you and, talking and about? And if you fight for your limitations, again, you get to keep them. But so many people do. They fight for what they can't do. And he's and he's like, you know, he's like, I was telling him about all the schoolwork I have. I can't do it because I have midterms. And he looks at me. He's like, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. That's a, an old Mark Twain quote, but I didn't realize it at the time. And I was like, that, <laughs> that's, very, that's very insightful. <laughs> that's very insightful, but I still can't promise. Because if I promise I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, very smart man. He reaches into his pocket and he pulls out my bucket list, which he still has. And he has the audacity. He starts reading every single one of my dreams out loud. In front of you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Terror. I mean, can Sweat. you imagine like being an 18-year-old insecure kid? that doesn't feel like he's enough. And all of a sudden you hear your dreams and another person's voice and it's like incanted out in the universe. And it messed with my mind something fierce because a lot of the things on that list were things I wanted to do for my parents, things they can never afford, never. I mean, they, they can never afford or even if they could, they wouldn't even do it for themselves. Right. And with that motivation, and I think it's important going back to, I believe there's a success formula for our, all of us. It's three H's, head, heart, hands that you could affirm or set a goal in your head, but if you're not acting with your hands, you're procrastinating, you're self-sabotaging, you're putting it off, then I would ask, invite everybody to check in with the second H, which is your heart, which is why, which is the emotions. Like why do you, because if you don't have reasons, you're not gonna get the rewards right. and the results. And those are my reasons, is it was helping my family because they sacrificed so much coming to this country. And um, and so with that motivation, I go, I say, I agree, I'll do it. And now I'm sitting back, at school, I'm sitting at my desk, pile of books I have to read for school, pile of books I promised to read, and I couldn't even get through pile A. So what do I do? I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't work out, I don't spend time with friends, I just live in the library, and I'm wasting away. And I end up passing out one night in the library, I fall down a flight of stairs, I hit my head again, and not uh, the I, oh god i woke the up same place dude <laughs> so bad it bounced I, it out he hit the other side <laughs> i know what happened to you <laughs> wacky I, wednesday like you know, I the wish parent it, trap what happens and i wish it gave me superpowers but it didn't i ended up in the hospital i woke up in the hospital two days later um and i was i was down to 117 pounds Ooh, because Jim. i really wasn't taking care of myself yeah and i was hooked up to all these ivs i was malnourished and i thought there has to be a better way it was the darkest most depressing time in my life and when I woke up, another part of me woke up saying there has to be a better way. And then nurse came in exact moment and brought in a mug of tea. And on it was a picture of Albert Einstein. <laughs> and it had this quote that said, the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. And it made me say, well, what's my problem? I'm a very slow learner. Well, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I could learn how to learn. So I set my studies aside and I just start studying adult learning theory and how to study and speed reading and ancient mnemonics. I wanted to know what did the ancient Greeks do before there was a printing press to be right. able to memorize yeah. things. 
And about 60 days of studying this material, a light switch flipped on and I started to understand things for the first time. And your heart was attached to it because your heart wasn't attached to fulfilling this book a week for your friend's dad, nor was it to get through the school that you didn't even know why you were sitting in, but your heart was attached to why am I learning, why am I such a slow learner and how do I overcome this? So that fervor made you get through all those things to get you to where you are. I was, my life just opened up all of a sudden when I learned all these things. At what age would you say it opened up for you? So at 18 when I first learned these skills and I got really actually upset that these weren't taught to me earlier on. So I started Mm. to tutor others. And one of my very first students, she was a freshman in college. She read 30 books in 30 days after after I tutored her. And I wanted to find out not how, I wanted to know why going back to the second age. And I found out her mother was dying of terminal cancer. Mm. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. Uh, because doctors only gave her two months to live. And I wish her luck, prayers. Six months later, I get a call from this young lady and she's crying and she's crying and crying. And I find out they're tears of joy that her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how or why. They called it a miracle, but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter who learned it from all these books. And in that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. And it's a superpower we all have. And this is why you're my superhero friend, Jim. Oh, we have to take a break right now, but we're coming back with so many hard-hitting questions. So, Jim, get your memory ready. Guys, we'll be right back. Guys, thank you so much. We're back with my friend, Jim Quick, brain coach, memory expert, and phenomenal human being. Jim, the reason why I wanted you to come to my podcast is I'm in a place in my life where I'm starting to feel like I'm being born this 40th year of my life. Mm. And it is because... Everything I know about myself from my sexual abuse at nine to being rejected by my mom when she didn't know how to help me when I confronted the situation with her to all of the people-pleasing mistakes I made up into a failed marriage, which I'm quoting that label because that's what it seemed like, I realized that I never properly healed my trauma Mm. and I never properly revisited and readjusted what I learned so that I could evolve today and heal myself today and forgive myself today. So I'm going through that now. Mm. This whole thing has to do with my memory. Everything I remember and everything I'm trying to correct when it comes to memory. So you being a memory expert, I want to ask you, what does our memory have to do with trauma? And can you forget the way that it made you feel or can you fix the way that it made you feel? How do you redirect that? How do you heal your trauma with your memory once you've acknowledged it? Yeah, let, let's unpack that. Okay. And, and certainly I would, I would recommend people, obviously that have gone through a lot of trauma to be able to seek seek professional help. Absolutely. You know, because, or a you know, qualified therapist. From a memory standpoint, it's, in, it's interesting that we could have post-traumatic stress as you, know, as you and I and many people have had and but people don't realize there's there's something also called post traumatic growth post traumatic growth and it doesn't get as much of a spotlight but post traumatic growth is when we go through adversity i'm sure a lot of people could relate to going through immense challenge that you won't wish upon anybody but coming up out of it realizing that you wouldn't change a lot of it because you found a purpose you found a strength you found a, a mission like uh, you know that, that like that mother that lost their child to drunk driving and created you know mad, mad. right and so like they found something something that's so valuable through that because I, you I, you grow an empathy towards what those people went through and you really can't be that passionate about something unless you really understood and feel what that pain was you like. can't learn that from a book true with without a doubt it's like for me my my passion is is learning and my my so I, I define passion as what lights you up mm-hmm. and purpose is what lights other people up. So my passion is learning, but my purpose is teaching other people how to learn. But my, my you know, what I do for a living, it's not on for ambition. It's more a moral responsibility to help other people who are struggling the way I struggled. And, you know, shame on me if somebody's suffering and I don't do what I can to be able to, to help them. So that's mm. why I create the podcast and the, the videos and everything to help people overcome overload and distraction and memory loss and, and all those different things. But difficult times, they could they could define us, they could diminish us, or they could develop us. Ultimately, we decide, right? Happiness really is the C in between the B 
and the D. Happiness is the letter C between the letters B and D. Break that down. Where B is birth, and D is death, and C, C is choice. <gasps> you get those goosebumps. I see them. I, I see them. I wish we were on video <laughs> yeah. right now. You guys would be dying. I'm like matrixing in my seat. <laughs> like, yo, wait. I would say yes. I call I call them truth bumps because it's it's one of those things where ultimately the people who come out of the the difficult times they they decide to they made a they made a conscious choice. Is it ever too so late? I would say it's never too late. Never too no, late. We, and we know this, right? That um, the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago, but the second best time to plant a tree is is today. Okay. Is in the, is in the now. Absolutely, the time that we could control. And so I feel like we have to take agency over our own happiness, and that it's not anyone else's responsibility. And then the people that really thrive on the other side are the ones that can identify more with a thermostat than a thermometer. Where a thermometer, you think about what is the function of a thermometer? What, is, what does it, it do? It gives you the temperature, yeah. lets you know how hot or how cold something exactly. is. Exactly, it literally just reacts to the environment. Yep. And sometimes we are thermometers, we react to the economy, we react how somebody is treating us on social media, we react to the weather. But ultimately, the happiest people are the ones that are thermostats because a thermometer reacts to the environment, but a thermostat sets the environment, right? It sets a temperature and then the environment raises to be able to meet that temperature. But we are also thermostats. We set a goal or we set a vision or an intention and we need, and we need to impose that on the environment as opposed to the environment, you know, we're, we're reacting to it. Right. And so I think the first place to start for healing is, is to own it. And when I say when the that's goal, a big word, it, it is. And I know you talk about this a lot. And yes, so but I, I, yeah. how would you break it down? Yeah, I, think you've I would got break it down like we all make mistakes. And so our, our, our life is, uh, you know, these collection of mistakes. And I think the goal is to make that mistake old. All right. And this includes your memories. Mm -hmm. so you make them old, meaning older is in the past and it stays in the past. But old is an acronym. O is you own that mistake, right? Mm -hmm. We made a mistake, we own it. So how do we own a mistake? We take responsibility, responsibility. we are accountable to it. If we hurt somebody, we apologize. If, um, if we could fix it, we do our best to be able to fix it. We do not blame, right? This is what leadership, leaders do, right? They, they own the mistake, they don't blame other people. So we own that mistake. And then the L in old, stands for, you have to learn from that mistake, mm. right? There is no such thing as, as failure, only failure to learn. There's only feedback. And feedback is the breakfast of, of superheroes, right? And that's why we make mistakes. And But the challenge is a lot of people are scared of making mistakes because they feel like it defines who they are, right? right? But it's how we deal with those mistakes that really define us. But we need to learn from those mistakes. And then finally, the D in old. Once you own it and you learn from it, the D is don't repeat it. Right? Don't repeat it. So many people make a mistake of dating a certain kind of person, person. and then they repeat it over and over again. Do you must you must have girlfriends or guy All friends that just that date they, the same wrong guy and right. complain about him. Because they they didn't they, they didn't either so, learn from it or they they they're 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 repeating it, right? right. And that that's a big challenge. And they, there's this quote that about insanity. Insanity is doing the, the same thing and expecting different, different results. results. And I don't think that's insanity. I think it's just a bad memory. So insanity, people think insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But I'm just saying that's a bad memory because if you remembered what happened, you wouldn't do that same thing in your relationship or in your in your business or anything else like that. Absolutely. So I would recommend that would be a great place to start. You own it, you learn from it, and then you don't repeat it. But going back to memories, you know, it works both ways. The, the trauma becomes a memory and then those memories also stimulate that trauma over and over and over again. And the good news is, you know, going back to agency and responsibility is we have influence on our thoughts, the way we picture things, right? And how we picture things and how we feel certain things. Um, but we don't feel like we do because we feel like we're at the effect of these same thoughts going over and over again. The average person has about 60,000 thoughts a day. The wow. Pro the problem though is 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts they had yesterday. Why is that? And the day before that. Like give me an example that. of a thought that repeats itself. Here, here's an example. You know, somebody asked me the other day is like, well, what's your definition of thinking? You know, you wanted somebody to think better. What does that mean? Thinking is like the process of asking and answering questions. So if somebody is asking themselves, is that true? Notice to think about it, you had to ask a question. 
But here's the thing. We have certain questions we ask more than anything else. And it's a dominant question. And you're going to really, you're going to, you're going to, a lot of people who are listening to this, this is going to be their big takeaway. So for example, there are certain questions you ask more than any other question, Can hundreds you, of times. Would it be like for women, I think it's, am I pretty? Or mm -hmm. am I good enough? I think for women, is that is that an example of so the question? So I, I took a friend of mine, uh, I took her through this uh, process and we found out her dominant question that she asks hundreds of times a day, probably thousands of times unconsciously, is how do I get people to like me? Right. How do I get people to like me? And now notice, you don't know her age, you don't know her background, you don't know her career, you don't know where she lives, you don't know what she looks like, her ethnicity, you know, her health, you don't know anything, but you know a lot about her. I mean, okay. she's, she's, so she's very insecure. Okay, yeah, right? oh, because, oh, totally insecure. So she's very insecure because she's asking, how do I get people like me? She's a, she's a people pleaser, right? Because she's always trying to appease and she's like a sycophant. Absolutely. People. She, also, she also martyrs herself a lot because she's always doing for other people to get them to, to like her. And so you don't, you don't know anything about her, but you know a lot about her because you just know one question. Right. And we all have that one question that we ask ourselves all the time. And so, so for example, going back to Hollywood, I was working with, with Will Smith. Okay. And we were, we were on set and he was filming six, we were filming in the winter in Toronto. It was very cold from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And, uh, and it's not a, you know, it's not a very glamorous life. It's just waiting and waiting. Sit around and, and waiting. Wait. And, but his family was there from, from West Philly, as, as, as we all know from the song. <laughs> and, but he's like, so his, his question is, how do I make this moment even more magical? That's his dominant question he asks all the time. Mm, as an and actor. because he asks that, he gets a lot of answers. And so you could see that in his behavior because he's bringing his family hot chocolate, he's cracking jokes, because these are all things he would do because he's asking this question, right? Right, it, it and is. So, so my question is, you know, growing up as the boy with a broken brain, I was always watching people succeed where I wasn't, and I was thinking, how do I, how do I make this better? Like my dominant question I ask all the time is how do I make this better? How do I fix Back this? Back then or and today? Even today. Okay. So I learned it early on okay. because life conditions will, will spark it. Yep. But I, even today I'm always asking how do I make this better? Sure. How do I make this better? And then because I do, that part of your brain, they call it the reticular activating system. And this is so, the brain primarily is a deletion device. The brain is trying to actually keep information out because at any given time, there's a billion stimulus you could be paying attention to. And you, what do you decide to pay attention to is what the things you have questions for. So that RAS, the reticular activating system, is, is fulfilled by the questions that we ask. And so, for example, my sister years ago would send me emails and, and photographs of these pug dogs, right? And I don't know why. And literally, I'm asking, why is she sending me these pug dogs? And I realized that her birthday was coming up, right? Oh, yeah. nice. And so nice she's planting move, seeds. Sis. Yeah. Um, she was planting seeds, but a funny thing happened. All over, I started seeing pug dogs everywhere. I would go mm. to the grocery store, I'd be checking out, and somebody's checking out with a pug dog. Right, right. or I, like when you're shopping for a new car, and you're you thinking start, about that car, you see it everywhere. Exactly, I was running around my neighborhood, and I saw somebody walking six pug dogs. <laughs> and my question for everybody listening is, where were these pug dogs before? Did they just magically appear? No. No, they were always there, but I wasn't paying attention to them because they weren't important to me. They were part of the billion stimuli I was keeping out. But then I started asking questions like, why she send me pug dog pictures? And I started paying attention to pug dogs and my reticular activating system was like, there's a pug dog, there's a pug dog, there's a pug dog. So going back to, let's say reading, remember what you read? A lot of people will read something and not remember what they just read because they don't have questions, right? If they had questions, they would be like, there's an answer, there's an answer, there's the answer. Well, these questions determine what gets in our filter, you know, because you yep. can only pay attention to five to nine bits of information. That's what science says, okay. Harvard says. Okay. And so what the five to nine bits of information are the things you have questions for. So some people are asking disempowering questions that are focusing them on the things that, like, why can't I ever be enough? You ask that question, you're gonna come up with evidence why you're not enough. How oh my God. How do you stop that? How do you stop that? Wait, my brain, wait, 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 yeah. Dennis, I gotta just absorb this for a second. My brain is exploding. You just taught me, because I'm an Instagram girl, I, I'm obsessed with it, I love it. I don't abuse it, but I actually had to train my Instagram to get to an algorithm that showed me shit I wanted. Mm. So, in the beginning, friend, when I started Instagram, I love looking at girls with great bodies. I love fitness, sexy things. I loved gossip. I love stuff that wasn't healthy for my mind. 
So then when I started craving a great quote or an empowering person, I had to dig like crazy or I had to literally go to someone else's feed and then go on their feed or their likes in order to find that. Then I learned about algorithm. I learned that Instagram is controlling what we search. If you spend a couple seconds on a picture, you're gonna if you click on a butt picture and just to look at it, it knew you like butt pictures. So you're gonna get more butt pictures. Those pugs are gonna show up. Right. So I had made my algorithm full of things that I did not want, but my brain was just without thinking, without paying attention to, going for. And it was really just messing up my mind and dirtying my mind. So I literally unfollowed people that had trashy follows or trashy content i stopped clicking on the gossip every time i saw it i was like keep my finger away and my algorithm started to change so now all i get is inundated with lots of your stuff from from jim quick's feed because it's always empowering great quotes meaningful cute ellen type videos of kids and i'm i love it and i'm happy so you're fucking telling me right now that our brain has an algorithm that we control Mm -hmm. and the more we ask questions that are either positive or negative, we are going to see yeah. and make up answers for that because we want those answers and it can right. be found. The, all right, you, and I just, you just gave me goosebumps right back. So that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I, see, I, I know. love that literally. my people- I just see the goosebumps right now. But the depth, yes. the depth of what you got from me was relating it to Instagram. It, it, but I I'm, get it. I think, every, oh, I think you just, I think, I think you just, relatable. I think you just blew everyone's mind who's yeah. listening because the algorithm is the reticular activating system and the questions are the clicks. So I think we just solved everything. Shit. So we we could so that and that then that's how powerful and then we have agencies and that that's a thing. We're always running that algorithm in terms of what shows up in our feed because at any given moment there's positive and negative things we could focus on. Breaking that down to your RAS, I mm-hmm. just want to know some fundamental steps mm-hmm. on how to clean up our algorithm yeah. so that we can start filtering the posts that we want to see in our brain. I love this. And in reality, just externally and internally. Absolutely. Because we don't focus what we pay attention to out here and then also inside. Um, and I, I love this. So let's, let's, let's dig into okay. this. So questions are one of the tools we have, just like any kind of click or video that we watch to show our album what's most important to sure. us. And so the first thing I would do is clean up the questions that we're going to ask. So like before I was saying like a negative disempowering question would be something like- How do, how do I, I make get... them like me? Exactly. Or Or- you know, am exactly, I enough? Exactly. Am I enough? Or, or why? Or why am I not enough? Or why can I never lose weight? Yes. Or what? Am I? Do I look fat in this? Exactly. Because if you ask something like, "Why can I ever lose weight?" You're going to come up with evidence. Oh, because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. As opposed to asking a question like, "How do I? How do I have energy and enjoy the process?" Then you'd be like, "Oh, these are all different." You come up with different. Uh, see, think, uh, different things show up in your feed and then you start reinforcing that and you start getting answers all wow. the time. So at any given time, there's good things you could pay attention to or negative things. And that's why we know that optimists um, achieve more. Science says research has shown that people who are op- more optimistic actually get more done yeah. and achieve more so. because they're they're focusing on the things that are that are really possible. So I would control the, the questions. Another thing that I would do is is really, we're talking about software, is really make sure your hardware is set. What Meaning, would be your hardware? So if the, like a software program is how to read faster, how to remember names, how to, the things that we teach in our Like an application? Right, exactly. Okay. And so the, and the, the hardware is like the brain itself. You wanna make sure your brain is fit because, and, and healthy, because if you're lacking in certain areas, like sleep, like certain nutrients, right? If you have too much stress, that's gonna hurt your, like chronic stress shrinks your brain. So that's not good for your your hardware. Mm. So there's like a good brain diet, right? Yeah. Certain foods that are just very nourishing for you because what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter. Part of what affects your, your hardware is, is sleep. And I know sleep, you know, if people you look People do at, not take sleep seriously no, enough. If you look at all of the, some, a lot of the challenges people have around mental health, a common pattern is 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 poor sleep mm. hygiene and that's so important another part of what affects your hardware people don't realize this are the people we spend time with you know like totally. when you're around people you know the positive peer group people that are encouraging you that are supporting you that are educating you that are challenging you that are cheerleading for you your brain loves that and it thrives but when we're around energy vampires or people that 
are negative, yeah. consistently critical. And sometimes it could be people that are closest to us, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes it could be family members or friends. Um, and they could be have good intentions. Maybe they don't want you to be hurt. They don't want you to get your hopes up with, you know, you know, in that relationship or in that career goal or whatever we have. They could be sincere, but they could be sincerely wrong also as well. So we need to be able to audit that because it's not just our neurological networks, it's our social networks because mm -hmm. who we spend time with is who we become. They say that if you spend time with nine broke people, be careful because you're going to be number 10, <laughs> right? And the reason why from a brain perspective is you have these things called mirror neurons and uh, these mirror neurons, like a mirror that you look at, they imitate and they allow you to feel empathy, right? When you're watching sports or an action show, you could feel what they're feeling. Yep. And what happens is your mirror neurons are constantly adapting and adopting the behaviors and the talk of the people around you. And so that's why your life show up the same way. Wow. You know, and so yeah, we have to be very careful because we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. <laughs> it's just, guys, so we want to be able that, to- <laughs> That silence is literally yeah, me depositing true. his information and actually comparing my own habits to everything that you're saying. Because I do notice that once you start making those tiny adjustments, even the, so to speak, algorithm of our mind, mm -hmm. all of a sudden things start to change. You start to lose interest to hanging out with certain people that you notice make you feel a certain way that you've trained your brain to go against. So if you want to hear more positive things, if you want to criticize yourself less or even hear less gossip, suddenly when those people call you to hang out or you're at a dinner yeah. and it's you know going into that 11th hour where you actually feel really good about being in bed and you're starting to picture your pajamas, you start to gravitate towards going towards that happy place and eliminating those things that make you feel weighted or mm -hmm. re re depressed or even remind you what you used to be like. Yeah, when you clean up, it's it's similar when you're doing like a fast or you're doing like you're eating really clean. You don't have that urge to to eat that that junk food. Absolutely, as, as much. So Absolutely, as much. It's, it, <laughs> it's about it's about it's about controlling your environment externally and then also controlling your internal environment because what you nourish, what you nourish flourishes. Right. Absolutely. How long do you think it would take for a person to reset their RAS to a healthy place? Yeah, I mean, I would be thinking that it takes it's a certain amount of time. I mean, for different people, just like changing a habit. What's important about what we're talking about habits is I believe that first you create your habit and then your habit creates you, right? You create your habits of meditation or journaling or working out or eating the best food or doing the things that bring you joy. And then those habits create you back. I really do believe that the treasure we seek it's hidden in our daily routine, mm -hmm. you know, the things that we're doing. But the thing is, is we're unconscious. Just like when I'm talking about the 60,000 thoughts a day that we're not really conscious of, we, we our habits are unconscious too. Stanford University says about, Stanford and Duke, about 40% of our daily routine is just spent just scripts, like unconsciously. We're just doing things that we've been doing for years Why and years. Why do we do that? Because it's easy. Because it takes energy yeah. to be able to think hard. It takes energy to be able to do something different with our body. For sure. Even if you're doing like a new workout, it take it takes, you know, the body, the brain wants to keep things pretty pretty static and not want to grow. But here's the thing, like while the while the beauty is in the butterfly, you know, the growth happens in the cocoon. Mm -hmm. Right. It's 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 in it's that caterpillars want and desire to be able to get out of that, to be able to build its wings, it grows strength so that it could be able to fly. But so many people don't want that struggle. But with struggle comes comes strength. When it comes to yeah. you on a daily basis, what yeah. are things you cannot live without? Like my non negotiables. Yep. Yeah. To I make say, you to keep your brain healthy. So you have to in order to win the day, you have to win the first hour of the day, right? Okay. Because that's momentum. And so there's certain things I do every single morning to jumpstart my brain. Like Oprah has her her morning routine and I'm sure Tony Robbins has his and yep. everyone has theirs. My yeah. first thing I do when I wake up is I remember my dreams. The reason why you wanna remember your dreams is because when you're learning all day or you're at work all day or it's studying all day, your brain doesn't shut off at night. If anything, it's more active and it's coming up with solutions. Like, did you know, like, huge works of art and inventions and literature and music came from dream states? No. So The periodic table, I've heard that one. Yeah, the yeah. periodic what? table, the, a chemist came up with the framework for the periodic table in his dream. What? Yeah, Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream. Like, Elias Howe, the inventor, came up with the sewing machine in his dream. 
Paul McCartney came up with this song yesterday in his dream. I mean, you do so many amazing things in your dream because we'll probably spend about 20 years of our lifetime sleeping, about three to five years dreaming, three to five straight years dreaming. Of just gold that we're letting slip through our fingers if we don't take the moment to remember them. Right, and so one of the popular episodes we did was how to remember your dreams, six six steps, right? But that's the first thing that I I do. The second thing I do is I, I make my bed. And you're thinking like, what does that have to do with your brain, right? Right. Here's the thing, your brain loves a clean environment. Mm, it's because so true. your external world is a reflection of your internal world. And how you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything in life is how you do everything so in life. So when you take the time to reset mm-hmm. something that you're gonna look forward to later on, and right. you actually walk in and out of your bedroom to see something that you took the time to organize right. and make aesthetically pretty and pleasing to your eye, mm-hmm. Everything you do should have that yeah, same effect. Exactly. How you do anything is how you do everything. And so we're taking something ordinary like making a bed and you're making it extraordinary because you make it with excellence. And how long does it take? One or two minutes, right? But that's why, that's why they do that in the military. In the military, it's everything is centimeters and specific angles because if you could do that with precision, you could do everything else that day with that level of focus and precision, right? And just as you said, when you come back later at the end of the day, how, how great does it feel coming back to a made bed? Absolutely. You come back full circle to success, right? And then after that, I hydrate because we can lose, people don't realize this, just a dip in your, in your hydration like if you if you are dehydrated, will hurt your reaction time and thinking speed thirty percent. So and we lose about a pound of water every night when we sleep through respiration, through perspiration. So you need to be able to hydrate. So I take I do I have a glass of water. I take my probiotics because your gut is your second brain. So you mm-hmm. want to be able to nourish that as well. Another thing I do that everyone could do right now is brush your teeth. But here's the thing: everyone brushes your teeth. But I challenge you right now to brush your teeth with the opposite hand. Right, and this is what study shows. They they did this study. Dr. Lawrence Katz. We're trying to. Yeah, Dr. Well, Lawrence. I already want to do it, but why? Right. I want to know okay, why yeah. I'm doing so it. So, Dr. Dr. Lawrence Katz was working with these seniors and wanted to find out how to keep their brains alive as they age. And they found little things like eating with the opposite hand or brushing your teeth with the opposite hand actually stimulated different parts of the brain. And the other reason why you want to brush your teeth with the opposite hand, it forces you to be in the now. It yes. forces, it's an exercise of focus for you to be present. Nobody wants a bunch of canker sores. Exactly, and so people are, are more, what they're doing in the morning more is they're touching their phone, right? And whatever you're doing regularly is what you're getting better at. And the worst thing, and I have a video, it has 37 million views on Facebook, mm. and it basically says, don't touch your phone the first hour of the day. <sighs> like literally, and I know this is gonna, people are listening to like, like I love this guy up till now. I did, I did not need <laughs> to hear. It. I did not. Unfollowing. I did not need to hear this. But but as a coach, you know, a coach pushes you and wants you to be at your best. The reason why, when you wake up in the morning, you're in a pretty relaxed state, right? You're in this relaxed very. state, and you're very suggestible. So if the first thing you do is pick up your phone, you're rewiring your brain for two things that are hurting you. Number one, for distraction, because every like, share, comment, cat video creates a dopamine flick, you know, flood, and that goes along your motivation, learning receptors of your brain, it makes it addictive, but it's really training you to be distracted throughout your day. You're right. The second reason why you don't wanna to touch your phone the first hour of the day, it's not only rewiring your brain to be distracted, it's rewiring your brain to be reactive. It's rewiring your brain to be a thermometer. It's rewiring your brain, because you know this, if you get one text, bad text message, one voicemail, one social media message. Or you check message, those likes and they weren't as right. high as you wanted exactly. them to be when you posted just, the night before. And you're in this very impressionable, suggestible state. You, all of a sudden it just hijacks your brain. Because you could get one message. I have a friend named Brendan. He wrote a motivation manifesto. And he says, your inbox is nothing but a convenient organizational system for other people's agenda for your life. You know, Whoa. all of a sudden you're fighting fires and you're on the defense. And how are you going to build an astonishing day or life if you're just defensive? You're going from thermostat to thermometer the moment you check your phone because you are yes. reacting from the news you get. Exactly. So in order to really keep yourself in that present state of mind and brushing your teeth with the left hand, right. you can actually preserve that 
and start to feel what that's like so you can elongate it too in your day. Exactly. So you anything how you do anything is how you do everything. When you're brushing your teeth with the opposite hand, all of a sudden you have to be present because you can't be thinking about all the things and do that job right. And so you're training your focus and your concentration. Another thing I do first thing in the morning is I I just for three minutes I work out. And that's not my workout for the day. But studies show, they did a study at Appalachian State University saying in order to lose weight and get better sleep, when's the best time to work out? 7 a.m., 1 p.m., or 7 p.m.? Wait. 7 a.m., 1 p.m., or 7 p.m., what's the best time? They said 7 a.m. Why? And so and so part of it is jumping, starting your, your metabolism Let and flow. everything else like that. So, but it, three minutes. So you could just do some burpees, some calisthenics, you know, animal flow, whatever you're doing. But for three minutes, you do that because what's good for your heart is good for your head. So you get that blood flow and oxygen. Next, I'll, I'll jump in the shower. And here's the thing. And again, people aren't going to like this. Cold showers. What? Cold showers. Jim, get yeah, out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah. But here, at the very least- I'm going to have to ask you to leave. At the very least, you could go back and forth from, from, from hot to cold. But this is what it does. Yeah, the cold plunge. So I, I do that pretty often. This is why you do it, cold therapy. It's like you hit your knee on the coffee table. Okay. What do you do? You Put, put you your put, hand on it. Right, and you put ice especially because it reduces the swelling and yes. it reduces inflammation. Well, we have a lot of inflammation in our body and in our brain, which is part of our body. And one of the ways to reduce inflammation is through cold therapy. So a cold shower is like a nervous system reset. For me, it's even better than coffee. I'm not saying replace your coffee, but it's How like, cold are you going? Like all the way nozzle cold? I'm going cold? all the way cold for 10 seconds and then I'm going back warm. And, and you stand and, and you're you cringing, go, right? You're right, not of like, course. Okay. I don't, nobody loves, loves that it. feeling. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. when you go from that back to warm or hot, it creates this this pumping action in your in your, in your blood vessels and it, it's it's very nourishing. And so cold therapy. Well, you know, you go, to, you go to a Korean spa, they have a cold plunge they and, they have the, you go, yes. and they go we back saw. and forth, back and forth, exactly. And so like the, the ancients, this is all the wisdom of, of, of uh, of you know our elders centuries ago yeah and so take that cold shower but then you go cold hot cold hot but it's amazing for your your nervous system and wow. and also your brain so i do all of these things i make a brain power smoothie and i do all i said here's the thing for it's not even about time management for me it's about priority management mm. you know it's about the most important here's the thing and let this sink the most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing the most yeah. important thing yeah. is to keep the most important thing the most, the most important, important thing. thing. Because so many people get really good at things that just don't matter. You know what I mean? And you don't want to climb up the ladder of success only to find out when you get to the top that it's leaning on the wrong wall. You want to get good at the things that are most important to you. And so many people get really good because whatever you're doing on a regular basis is what you're getting good at, right? And so these are the things that you want to be focused on. So what I do is think about priority. I'm thinking about the three things that would make it a win for me, like I, I, I do this mind experiment, this thought experiment. I say, I fast forward to the end of the day and I'm coming home and somebody asked me how my day was and I was like, I crushed it. This was an amazing day. Right. And then I asked myself, what had to happen in order for me to feel that way, right? And my friend Clay calls it a champagne moment. Like in sports, you know when you're gonna crack open that champagne because yep. it's very clear what happens. Well, do we have that for our day? And so for me, I write down three things personally that I wanna do or achieve and three things professionally in my work. And then I don't touch my phone until I get one of those things done. And it doesn't have to be big things. They could be simple things. Give me a simple thing. Right? Simple things like, oh, I'm gonna- Getting a jog around the block? Exactly. Doing okay. something nurturing Calling for yourself. Your mom. Exactly, right? But then at the end of the day, you're thinking like, if I do these things done, not the 200 things I might, because nobody gets 200 things done right. on their to-do list, but they prioritize and they say, if I get these three things done in my work, then it was a great day. Then I could really celebrate. Okay, this is just from my personal knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I just want to know before I wrap, what's your guilty pleasure? I wanted to ask that too. Shut up, it's my I question. I wanted to ask, what guilty pleasure that, that, that yeah. you know is fucking up your brain? It's not good for you, and yes. you do. What do you do when you just got to like yeah. turn everything off, Jim Netflix Quick? Netflix or something like Yeah, I mean, certainly. Binge. Yeah. Like, what is uh, it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I certainly binge, binge watch. I mean, and I have no problem with people. Like, so I, I binge watch, I read comic books, I do all, you know, things that are, People would say is is less than you know uh, in certain areas, but I, I that but that's my that's my time. You know what I mean? I don't I don't I don't mind doing things that that maybe don't aren't changing the world or improving sure. my health. But what but would they time. be? I need to picture it. I need a visual before yeah, I actually, sign please, off. Yeah, what do you? What yeah. is it? I mean, I just smoke a cigarette. This yes, is not, what are you this doing? Are you rolling smoking? a joint? What no, are you no, no, doing? No, no, no. This is not an. This is not an endorsement. But I just like you know, <laughs> Disney Plus just came online, and oh I my just like. <laughs> 
that's my, wow. that's my okay. thing. Okay, and if you could meet anybody in the world, dead or alive, and yeah. have dinner with them, who would it be for you, Jim? Oh, it would be, it would be my grandparents, for sure. Oh. Yeah. Jim Quick, everybody. I... I have to tell you, this was one of the most exhilarating podcasts I've not only led, but I've ever listened to. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of my own podcast. You are such a dynamic, special human being. Guys, please follow Jim Quick on Instagram, at Jim Quick, and his name really is Quick. It's his real government name. K-W-I-K, yes, my father's name, my my grandfather's. I didn't change it to do, I didn't change it to do this. I had to to be a runner in school, which is a lot of pressure when it says Quick right on your shirt. (laughs) I I, I have to be very careful when I'm driving because you cannot talk your way out of a speeding ticket when your your driver's license says Quick right on it. And I get to do my Dharma, my mission, which is teaching people how to to learn anything faster and yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Yes, that, absolutely. Jim is such a gift to us. Do check out his Facebook video that has 37 million views. Podcast. Google him and his podcast is magical. Can I challenge everybody? Yes. Oh my God, I love challenges. Oh, I'm already going to brush my teeth yeah, with yeah. my left hand, I'm but what else challenge do we do? everybody <laughs> to do this. I'm okay. going to challenge everyone to take a screenshot of this podcast. Okay. Take a screenshot of it and tag Jeannie, tag myself. Yep. And I want everybody to share their big aha. What is one thing you're going to do because of this conversation? It could be so little. It could be brushing your teeth with the opposite hand. It could be making your bed first thing in the morning. Yeah. It could be remembering your dreams. It could be remembering to fall in love with that person in the mirror that, that's, that's been through so much but is, but is still standing. It could be any of those things um, because I believe that ultimately the best way to learn something is to teach it to somebody else. else. When we teach something, we get to learn it twice. Yes. So take a screenshot. Tag us both in it because when I see it, I will I will reshare some of my favorite and repost some of my favorites and share your big aha so somebody else's life will be better because of it. So do share that screenshot with me and Jim on our DMs. Just slip into our DMs with this and we love to celebrate it and keep the seeds moving and growing. Thank you, Jim. We love you. Oh, thank you both. Bye, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe and follow Jim Quick's podcast and my own. And we love you. See you guys next week. Bye.